The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. Thank you, Father. Thank you for being our living hope. Amen. You may be seated. If you think you like singing that song this time, wait till we sing it again after this sermon. You're going to really think that was the best song ever. But uh, incredible truth uh, we are declaring there to the Lord. Well, we started last week on the uh, Be the... Uh, not great, but we'll go with it for now. We started last week on our Be the Branch series talking about that idea of connecting to God, really focusing on that during the month of January. The next couple of weeks, uh, next week and the following week, we're going to really focus on that connection point where the branch uh, connects to the vine, which is Jesus Christ, and we're going to really focus on that. Last week, we looked at John chapter 15, which is kind of the... Uh, the ultimate text as far as connecting and abiding and we were exhorted by the word of God ten times or uh, commanded encouraged invited to abide in him this week we're gonna take a little time and we're gonna look at what the biggest obstacle is to uh, that connection sure hope after I said that about my sermon is it somewhere there we go. Uh, that's, a, that's a beautiful thing. Uh, but we're going to look at what it is that is standing in the way of us connecting or abiding to Christ. And really that can be summed up in three little letters, or in this case, three big letters, sin. Okay? Bottom line is, it is sin that separates man from God. We're going to develop that and work on that a little bit. But if you think about it, it is sin that messes up every relationship. When I sin against my wife, I put a distance between us uh, until that sin is resolved until that sin is made right there sin is the thing that separates man from God that we have to look at as uh, today and what we want to look at then is what is the solution to sin you say well pastor that's easy and that's your job you're supposed to stand up there and tell us to stop sinning okay no sin bad uh, no don't don't do that and I think a lot of times that is the exact mindset that we have and even sometimes that hey that's why we go to church so the pastor can tell us to stop sinning that's not going to be the message at all we're going to look at some things in well I shouldn't say at all <laughs> that would be nice if we stopped sinning that'd be good but uh, we're going to look at some things in Galatians chapter 2 that I think will help us um, um, understand this a little bit better and um, before I do that, before we jump into the book of Galatians, just a, a little background here. Paul is known as the missionary to the Gentiles. Now sometimes, in fact, in a verse we're going to look at in a couple of minutes, the, the, they'll say Gentile sinners. Because the Jews looked at the Gentiles as unclean. They did not keep the law. Okay, so therefore, when Paul goes around and he starts his missionary journeys, he's just gone on the first missionary journey into what is modern-day Turkey, and he's, he's started churches because he's preached the gospel. Uh, people have come to trust Christ, and they began to meet together. He's writing back to these churches. This is the first letter that Paul wrote. He's just finished his first missionary journey, and the reason why he's writing back is there are people that are saying, oh, wait a minute, wait, 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 Paul. Yeah, this, uh, this whole message about uh, Jesus, that's good. We like that but you can't be throwing out the law. 
These Gentiles need to understand that they need to keep the law too. The law is pure and holy. And it kind of seems, Paul, like you might be trashing the law or taking the law too lightly a little bit. And another thing about it is, Paul, if you start telling people that they are forgiven and tell them that they are just forgiven and God loves them and God loves them, you can say it like this, in spite of their sin and God loves them knowing that they will still sin and God still loves them, how are you going to control them? I mean, they're going to be out of control. Hey, it doesn't matter how I live because it's about God's grace, not my behavior, so I can do whatever I want. So, the, uh, so these teachers that are called Judaizers are coming around and they're telling people, hey, you've got to still keep the law. And, uh, you know, Paul's message about Jesus, okay, but he's not telling you the whole thing. You need to make sure that you are still keeping the law. So there's a couple of themes from Galatians that I want to point out to you. One of them that Paul wants to make sure they know is the law is good and holy, no doubt about it. God's law is perfect, okay? It is intended, it, it is for the good of those who listen and obey it. So the law is good and holy, but it can only diagnose, not cure. Okay, I, uh, I get to visit the dentist this Friday. We're in the long process of a uh, crown. I have my temporary one on there. Uh, but I get to have the final one, and then I think they find a couple more little holes that they want to work on afterwards. Uh, I really kind of hate to go through that. Have you ever looked, though, at your uh, uh, x-ray of your teeth? I mean, my teeth ain't much to look at in real life. The x-ray is just flat-out ugly. Uh, if you ever see that, it's just, oh, man, there's holes and black spots and everything all over the place, and there's that filling, and what's that one made of, and, and everything. It's just pretty ugly. Uh, but, you know, you never think, okay, I got some problems with my teeth. I think I'll go get another x-ray. Enough x-rays, and it is going to get better. <laughs> the x-ray, all it can do is tell me the problem, and that's what Paul says about the law. It can diagnose that we have a problem. But it is not the cure. Another thing, but they say, okay, Paul, but still remember what we said. If you go run around telling people about this forgiveness and this grace of God, then what, how are we going to control them if they think they can live however they want? The other thing that Paul wants to make sure that they know is that the truly regenerate person, that, the one that has really found this new life, he's been regenerated by this relationship with Jesus Christ, will seek what God wills, not what he wants. The truly regenerate person is not is going to have a heart to desire to do what God wants him to do. Not to, hey, P-A-R-T-Y, I can do whatever I want. Okay, so Paul wants to make sure he communicates that. Now let's go ahead and begin our text here well, in chapter 2 of uh, Galatians. Paul writes and he says, we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Remember I said that? Uh, Gentile sinners. He said, Paul's not. Paul's a Jew. Uh, so he's saying, hey, as I'm writing to you, I am not a Gentile sinner, if you will. But then he said, I am a Jew. I have kept the law or tried to keep the law. And where I didn't, I kept the ceremonial law and did the sacrifices. Yet, we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Jesus Christ in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. Now, I think as you read this, if you're even reading it behind me now, going back over it, this is kind of one of those passages that's like, is it clear? <laughs> Crystal. I mean, it really is. It, it just says plainly a couple of things. One of the things it says, obviously, is no one, no one, no one. <laughs> Sorry, channeling my Alicia Keys there for a second. But uh, no one uh, is justified by the works of the law. Who is justified by the works of the law? No one. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous. No, not one. No one is going to be good enough. 
Okay, you say, well, yeah, but I've kept the Ten Commandments. First of all, maybe we should talk about that. I might be able to convince you that you haven't exactly kept the Ten Commandments. But even if you feel like you have to the letter of the law, Jesus said, hey, it's more than just about keeping it to the letter of the law. It's about your heart. You say you haven't killed anybody. Great. Have you ever hated anybody? Say you haven't uh, committed adultery. Hey, have you ever lusted? So uh, I'm going to say no one ever is going to be justified by the works of the law. And the second thing very plainly there is that justification is then by faith in Jesus Christ. Okay, and that is, that is the only place it is. That, that's where it comes. And again, I think this passage is very crystal clear on that. Now, I want to take a minute and... Uh, Actually, this is a very common thing today. A lot of pastors I've seen online are using marker boards. And uh, maybe you've seen when Pastor James preached here, he likes to use a marker board. Today, you're going to find out why I don't. Okay? I'm going to use it for a second. I am terrible. When I used to teach, people were like, what does that say? Uh, they used to, like, take pictures of the, of the board when I was done teaching a class because it was so bad and so chaotic. And I'm actually, I'm only going to use it for a minute. And I realize, those of you back there, it's going to have a real hard time seeing because I'm going to put it here. But it's not. I think you'll get the idea uh, real fast. I'll come around to this side. That'll help just a little bit. Uh, but still, yeah, over here you can see pretty plain. Two people can see it. But uh, I want to show you something that uh, actually you may be familiar with. You may not. Uh, some people call it the gospel napkin. Uh, or I'm sorry, the napkin gospel. That's what they call it. Because this is a way that you can share the gospel with somebody with a pen and a napkin. Say you're having lunch with them in a restaurant or something like that. And you say, hey, I just want to kind of explain the gospel. I want to illustrate it. You may have seen this before. You may not have. I don't know. But they'll say, hey, wait a minute. If you could visualize this for a second, that you have this cliff over here and a cliff over here. And there's this gap in the middle. And here I am over here. Here is man over here. And here is God. And what separates the two of us is that little three-letter word that we have is when we sin. Okay? So, in fact, some people even like to put little, those are flames. <laughs> they like to draw little flames down there because the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. So there is this separation that needs to be bridged. And man tries by doing good works uh, to build a little bridge across there, but it always comes up short. So his bridge is... Makes it that far, but no further. It's not going to make it across. And man tries to uh, make it across here by practicing religion and getting as religious as he can, but that comes up short. And all of man's attempts come up short. So what happened is Jesus entered the picture. And Jesus died on a cross to make a way and to... That is, I told you I was going to kill it. Uh, there you go. We got, let's solidify it there. You have a bridge across there. We're supposed to be a straight line across here. Uh, but the only way across the, the bridge for a man to get back to God to have that sin problem solved, we will never try this again. Just in case, if, to keeping notes at home, if you can't see a thing back there, we won't try it again. Uh, but there is this bridge across there, and through faith in what Jesus did on the cross, through faith in the fact that he died for my sins, that he paid the price I can get across here, and then here I am over here, and uh, there's, I'll just put my face, and I'm smiling. Now you understand why I don't draw, but I am happy I'm over here, and this is where we are if we trusted Jesus Christ. We're over here, and we're singing. If we, <laughs> if we like to sing, we're singing 
if we like hymns we're singing redeemed how i love to proclaim it redeemed by the blood of the lamb redeemed i'm so happy in jesus his child and forever i am now if maybe i i like more contemporary music i, I put on a little mercy me and i sing i am redeemed he set me free i'll shake off these heavy chains wash away every stain i'm not who i used to be i am redeemed Okay, and that's, who we're, that's where we're living over here because of the finished work of Christ. Here I am. I am redeemed. I've been set free. I am made right with God. That's where I am through salvation in Jesus Christ. Awesome place to be, wouldn't you say? Now, let's, uh, let's celebrate that place, if you will, a little bit. Let's think about that place and uh, the situation that we are currently at uh, and understand That I am, the word the Bible uses is justified. I have been made right with God. The little phrase I used to hear is, it's just as if I've never sinned. God has cleaned me up. Um, I was excited. I thought small groups started this week. So on Monday, after I was working on the sermon, I thought, hey, this would be a great question. I put together the questions for the small groups so that we could go through a bunch of the different verses that talk about what happens. Hey, don't be rearranging my life. Uh, let talk about, you can't see the board anymore, huh? Uh, let talk, but uh, let talk about what happens when I end up over here. Okay, what God has done, that he has now made me his son, that he has cleaned me up, that he has set me free. How awesome this is that I'm living over here now that I have eternal life in Jesus Christ. And we read a lot of verses about, and I'm sorry, we we're going to read a lot of verses and look at that and just study what it means to be justified. But we could say it like this, as a result of Christ's work, our sins are forgiven and God has imputed, nice big word, but God has given us his righteousness he's given us that it says he became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God he has made us righteous okay and I highlighted the word therefore for this reason that last phrase we are fully pleasing to God if I were to say that to you if I were to ask you just randomly do you believe that you are pleasing to God I find that most people their initial response is no I got enough baggage. I got enough messes in my life. I got enough problems. I don't really think I am fully pleasing to God. But we need to remember, I'm not saying you're fully pleasing to God because of what you've done. Therefore, it goes back to what it says before there, as a result of Christ's work, can we believe then that he has cleaned us up, he has given us the righteousness of Christ, and I am fully pleasing to God. Okay, now that's something to get a little bit excited about. That, you know, hey, there I am. That's where I'm living. Can you see how stinking happy that guy is over there on the other side? He's redeemed. He's set free. That's what's, that's what's going on. Okay, however, however, we're actually the word that the Bible uses in the next verse that we look at in Galatians is the word but. I decided to make it a big but. <laughs> we don't, we don't. We don't like big butts, and we won't lie about that. But anyway, we won't get into that. Uh, but uh, it, it begins with that. We're going to look at the rest of the verses here in a minute, but I just wanted you to see God say, yeah, here's where I am. Here's where I am. I am free. I am redeemed. I am a child of God. I've been set free. But we'll come back and look at that idea in a minute here, but I think you can connect with this a little bit. We think things like this. I love Christ, but why am I still drawn to sin? And maybe the pastor came out and told me, hey, if you really love God, you wouldn't do that. If you really love God, you'd fall on your stinking face and you'd stop sinning like that. And you've heard these messages for a long time. And you think to yourself, yeah, I guess he's right, but I think I really do love God. And yet, man, why? Why did I lose my temper again? And why did I blow it again? Why did I lust again? Why did I go down that road? Why, you know, 
<laughs> I was reading in our, our Proverbs challenge this week about the, the, uh, the whole idea of belittling speech when you talk bad about somebody. And uh, I thought, man, how often I drift back into that negative speech where I think I'll sit down with somebody at lunch and think, hey, I want to make sure that my speech about other people stays positive. And I'll walk away thinking, <laughs> I did pretty good. <laughs> but I got negative on that. I belittled somebody. I mean, why do I keep doing that? You know, why, why, why do I have trouble sometimes with, with the truth? And, you know, and I don't flat out lie, but I spin things a little bit. Why do I keep going back to that? I struggle with that. I think I love Jesus, but, I mean, I, I believe I do love Jesus. I mean, I think this is real. I ain't putting on a show. I ain't singing here to, to, to impress people. I love Jesus. But I keep finding myself drawn back into sin. That doesn't seem to make sense. I trust Christ, but why do I still have fears and anxieties? Okay? And most of us can fit in that category. I mean, I think, yeah, I trust, I trust Jesus, but boy, I'm still up some nights worrying about this or worrying about that as if it depended upon me, forgetting that God loves me, forgetting that he wants what's best, forgetting he's going to do what's best. Why do I still struggle with these things when you know, I should be over here jumping up and down and singing, hey, I am redeemed, and yet, uh, yet I find myself in this situation. What, can, can you connect with this at all a little bit? I want to uh, show you a quote. This is something uh, I read in a book that is called True Face. It's by three guys, Thrall McNall, and McKni uh, Thrall McNall and Lynch. I'm not sure of any of them, actually, but I read this quote, and I thought, yeah, here we go. Many Christians know Christ loves them and wants to be with us. Okay, you hear that at church, amen? We sing about it. Hey, hey, this is great. But we also believe that our sin has put an impossible mass between God and us. We understand that Jesus has made a way for us one day to be together with him in heaven, but right now, until we, think about this for a second, until we get better, do better, start taking things seriously. Have you ever thought that? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm trying, and I'm going to get serious about this soon. We believe that we'll have to settle for rare moments of intimacy with him. We know ourselves too well, and there's no way that we are ever going to be able to keep from sinning. We believe God loves us, but we also believe that he's pretty disappointed with us. So for now, a little intimacy is the best we can hope for. I read that about five years ago, and I thought, yeah, been there. <laughs> been there in my thinking. Now, I, I want to be over here saying, I am... But can you see what happens there? And I wish I had a better picture to show you. I actually looked at different things online. Couldn't find one that fit into our time framework of this illustration. But can you see that we're moving from the one side of the bridge back to the other side in our minds? And we're thinking, hey, here's this pile of garbage and this pile of sin between me and God. And that deprives us of this abiding in him, of being the branch, connecting to him. Can you see that? So let's, let's, let's begin to dig into the solution here because I think as we continue reading, uh, we will see that. You know, we started with that word, uh, with a but there, and we said, okay, we got some questions re remaining here. But uh, let's go on beginning in verse number uh, 17 of Galatians 2. And I said that the other two verses we looked at are super clear. I, I won't say that about these. I think we're going to have to put, put on, you know, our lock into this and really think about this for a second. He says, okay, no flesh is justified by the law. No, no but, nobody's going to be. And salvation is through faith in Jesus Christ. But then he says this, but if our, in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too are found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? So if I'm over here jumping around saying, I'm free, 
I'm free. God looks at me and he sees me clean. God knows that. I am redeemed. I'm singing that, that praise over here and yet I'm still sinning. What, what am I saying then? Uh, my new life in Christ is all about sin and Christ is still a servant of sin. He's certainly not. That's not where we're going. For if I rebuild what I tore down, he says, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law that I might live to God. Okay, I have gone around telling people that they're not saved by the law, but now I'm, if, I, if I instead go back to that, I've been telling him I'm not the law's man, I'm God's man. Uh, if I go back to that, uh, rebuilding what I tore down is kind of like this. Okay, okay, Robert, you cannot come to Jesus Christ without, uh, I'm sorry, on your own merit. You can't. You can't be religious enough. You can't. And most of you say, hey, man, I get that. But now, Robert, now you're a Christian, here's your new list. Here's a new list of things you got to do to keep God happy with you. I think in our minds, a lot of us do that. Paul said, am I rebuilding what I tore down? I'm giving you another list. And Jesus gives you another list, and he says, hey, if you're not keeping this, I'm, I'm not going to have too much to do with you. And we kind of get that idea. So, so let's go on. Uh, this next verse, some of you might have on a coffee cup. <laughs> I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me. Now, you might, okay, wait a minute. So am I dead or am I alive? Uh, am I living or, uh, I, I don't understand here. Wait a minute, what, how does this make sense? And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. In the last verse here, don't miss this. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. I'm going to come back to 20, that first verse in a second that I am crucified, but don't miss this last one. I do not nullify the grace of God by thinking that somehow I can earn forgiveness. It, it, it could be said simply like this. If a person can be made right with God on his own efforts, then why did Jesus come and die? Let me say that again. If that, if, that, if that would be possible, if it were possible for you to earn your way back to God into a relationship with him, then why did Jesus come and die? And if I'm going to make it about keeping the law, then I'm going to nullify what God did on the cross, the grace of God. Now, let's carry that over to our Christian life now. So it, I never could solve my sin problem with my own efforts, right? But now that I'm a Christian, I can, right? No. I never was able to solve the problem of sin. I need Jesus Christ. So Paul describes this life and he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Uh, this is the new life that he, that he wants us to have. Uh, in walking with him and knowing him and abiding in him. This, this is where he wants us to go. So, so what does this look like? You know, what type of transformation uh, can take place here? By the way, I wanted to go back for a second here. If you read on in chapter 3, if some of you have a chance to do that later, Paul very directly asked the Galatians that question. He says, why are you being so stupid? I'm paraphrasing just a little bit. He uses the word foolish, which actually in that time might have been stronger. He says, why are you being so foolish? You think you came to Christ through faith, and now you think it's all about works. Okay, read it. I'm not, I'm not making that up. That's, that's where he goes in chapter 3. But that's what we do. We put ourselves back on that other side and we see this mountain of sin, garbage and muck between us and God. And that's why we think, hey, this idea, this, this is just a dream of really abiding close to Christ. You're not going to be able to do that because you've got too much sin in your life. I'm not going to be able to do that because I've got too much sin. I know myself too well. I don't even like me half the time. How could Christ like me? 
you know, because he, he, knows he knows me inside out. And that's where our mind goes a lot of times. So there's a couple of things that I'd like to, to make sure that we remember here. One of them, from the verse that we just looked at, I want you to remember that we are most definitely in a battle. The Bible says in that verse that the life that we now live in the flesh, I still live in the flesh. I have not been delivered from the presence of sin. The life that I live in the flesh, I live by faith. So I live in the flesh by faith. There is going to be a constant battle there. Okay? I will not stand here and tell you, hey, the day will come when you don't sin anymore while you're in this body. It's not going to come. Somewhere there was a line in that song, too, about, the, you know, the grave is uh, oh, somewhere death has released me or whatever like that. But until that comes, sorry, I'll have to read it when I saw it again. When I read that, I thought, oh, that's good too. Uh, but but is that, that idea that while I am in he, here in this world, I am going to continue to fight this awful battle, okay? Or I'm going to continue to fight this battle with the, with the presence of sin. But in the meantime, I can begin to live out this new identity that Christ has given me. This idea of abiding in him, this idea of being in the branch, that I can actually live like a redeemed person. I'm still going to battle this. That battle is still going to be there, but I can now live like a redeemed person. Now, I asked the folks that were, that were greeting you to pass out a little prayer uh, card, and I hope, you, I hope you got one of these and can look at this with me for a second. I'm actually going to put it up on the board so you don't have to look at the copy that you have, but if you don't have one, I hope you can take one with you. I'll explain why in a minute here, but we're going to look at that prayer for a second. Imagine this first, just for a moment, that this is how I'm praying. God, I can't handle my sin. I cannot change myself. Thank you, God, for making me godly so that you stand with me Ready to address my sin out there in front of us. Lord, thank you <laughs> there, that there is no pile of sin and junk between us. If there were, I couldn't stand a chance of intimacy with you. I know that I can't survive away from you. Once I thought there was a particular sin that would fulfill and satisfy me, but Father, as we look at it together, I am learning to trust your assessment of what will satisfy me. So what do you want us to do? What do you want us to do about this sin? I'm not going to try to management, uh, manage it. I want to learn to trust you. Now, the reason I wanted to pass this out to you is because I want you to think about this. I didn't hand you scripture, okay? So this isn't like, hey, you can't argue with this. Uh, but I do want you to take a little time and just think about it because I think this changes the way a lot of people are approaching the Christian life because, come, come on, a lot of you have been here with me. God, I'm sorry. I don't want to do that again. I really don't want to do that again. I mean, I know I've told you that before, but God, I really don't want to do that again. And I'm going to, I'm, God, I, I, I'm going to stop this time. God, I need your help. I'm, I'm, you know, of course I need your help, but I'm, I'm going to stop this time. And really, this is it, God. I, I, don't, I don't want to go back where I was. You know, I, I, you know I, I'm going to stop there. I'm going to, I'm going to beat this thing. You know, and, and uh, you know, I can't do it without your help, God. You know, I, I, want, you, I want your help, but that, that's where I am. And, uh, and we get this idea, like I said from the beginning, that somehow, hey, bottom line is, you want to stop sinning? Well, just stop sinning. Just man up. Let's, let's stop sinning. You know, let, let, let's do it. And sometimes that's the message that we expect to hear as far as coming to church. You know, the pastor's going to tell us what we're doing wrong. And if we really love Jesus, we, we'd get it right. But what I want to ask you about that approach, and because, listen, 
listen, if you are like me at all, first time I thought about this prayer, this seemed like soft, going soft on sin to me. It really did. You know, you and me, God, we're going to look at our sin together on the same side. Your sin is evil, wicked. Uh, you need to get rid of it. And I would I'd beat myself up again and say, wait, wait a minute. Just come on, man. You need a man up. You need to get the victory here. You, you know, what's, what's wrong with you? And I'd kind of rebuke myself. And I think a lot of you might, might be wrestling with that same thing. You know, what is he saying here? You know, is he saying my sin's not bad? He, here's, I, I've said this before, but I want to make sure we get this. I believe that we take a soft look at sin when we think we can beat it on our own. And that when we understand the magnitude of it, we realize that it is only by the grace of God. So I don't think saying, hey, I can't beat this sin is going soft on it. I think it is, you know, I think, but we, we have this idea, boy, I got to man up. I, I got I to win this thing. I got to win this battle. You know, I'm going to fight this and I'm going to win this. I have two questions for you. The first is this, very simply, how is that working out for you? Okay, because for most people, it's working out like your New Year's resolution. Okay, it's either done or dying. And it's, you know, January, whatever it is, is 12th. Okay, I'm going to resolve, I'm going to do better. Uh, for most of it, uh, we were laughing with somebody this morning, the uh, health clubs are a little over, overpopulated right now. But it'll end. Uh, it'll end. We're just, hey, it's January 1st. I got a New Year's resolution. Here, here we go. Uh, and, and, and we're going in. For a lot of us, we're, we're resolving that we're going to do better. And Pastor, don't you think that's a good thing? Well, obviously, that is a good thing. But can you see what I'm saying? We've come back over here to the other side where I see this pile of dirt and garbage that's called sin separating me from God. But wait a minute, I thought when I trusted him, when I came to him, I was delivered and I was set free. So what am I doing over here with this pile of garbage still here? And I'm saying, hey, this time I'm going to beat it. My first question is very simply, how is that working out for you? And my second question, and this is what I really want you to think about is, what does God say about this? In other words, I want you to process what I'm, what I'm sharing here today and say, hey, is this right? Does the Bible really say that there is no solution for sin in me. I cannot solve my sin problem. Does it really say that? Does it say that I need Jesus Christ and only through Jesus can that, can that sin problem be defeated? Does it say that if sin could be defeated in the power of the flesh, Jesus wouldn't have even had to come and die? See, because I believe that it does. And I think we need it, and I want to encourage you. You know, I, I have benefited greatly uh, in recent years from, well, first of all, I've in the last couple of weeks, I love my favorite part of our little devotional books we're working on. By the way, there's a few more out there if you want to start in a midstream with Proverbs. But it's just at the end, taking a minute and writing out a prayer. I love that. Uh, writing out prayers and sometimes having something. Now, I have a short attention span, and I don't read this you know, every day of my life. But sometimes for a while, I will read through this prayer and get me thinking this way. And this has been so incredibly helpful to me to say that. To say that, God, you and I... What do you want to do here? I can't beat this thing, God. I'm so thankful that you have made me holy because I could never make myself holy. Now, as we look at this thing together, because the, the whole, here, here is what I have found over and over again. Victory over sin is a lot more likely if I am focusing on abiding in Christ than if I am focusing on defeating the sin. Let me say that again. If I am focusing on defeating the sin, there it goes. I'm going to beat this thing. We're going to overcome it. 
I have a much less chance of having a success because I don't think the Bible says we're going to find our strength and willpower. We're going to find it in Jesus and abiding in him. So as we think about it, I hope if you follow what I'm doing, I'm trying to change your thinking on this a little bit. The sin separate us from God, you bet your life it does. But our trying harder is not the solution. If I'm thinking to myself, I got to get my stuff together before I can go to God, I got the wrong approach. One other quote I just came across yesterday I want to share with you. I think I'm going to have to pull out the glasses here for a second. Hey, this is the longest I've ever made it into a sermon without using my glasses. Are you happy for me? Christianity is the only, listen, Christianity is the only religion whose God bears the scars of evil. I read that. I want, you, I want to say that again. Christianity is the only religion whose God bears the scars of evil. Say, okay, well, I'm not sure I get that. What, what, what are you talking about? And I, I've said before, I, I'm not even crazy about calling Christianity a religion because religion to me is all man's attempts to elevate himself and get up to God's level. Christianity is God saying, I'm going down to your level when you couldn't get up to mine. Okay, totally different. Totally uh, revolutionary. And we have a God who entered into our situation, entered into our problem. Didn't say, pull yourself up, man. Get right, get, get up here. He saw that we're never going to be able to. There's nothing in us that, is, that, is equipped, that equips us to deal with a sin problem. He said, I'm going to come down there with you. We're going to tackle this thing together. To me, that is just awesome. It is so liberating. It gives us so much reason to celebrate. Guys, would you come back up? We've got to sing that again. Uh, as we sing that, though, would you, would you kind of play through this? Anybody coming? David, come on. Uh, David, Betsy, and Craig, if we, we can do that last, last. Are we ready to go with that? We good? Okay. Yeah. Okay, good. I thought I, thought I said that, but they're kind of looking at me like, today? Uh, not, not sure. As, as we do that, though, you know, if, if I could just, if I could further encourage you, you know, take, take this little prayer with you and kind of read, read through Galatians 3, too, and kind of go back and say, hey, you know, yeah, well, here's what Paul said about this, how, how he straightened this out. But I think praying this prayer instead of God, sorry, I'm real sorry, forgive me, I'll try harder. I think we move from God, forgive me, to God, here I am. I can't solve this problem on my own. I need you. I need you. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church, or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.